I'm Heath Monsma. Hi, I'm Ella Von Beyer. And this is The Debriefed. Where we give you a rundown of everything that's been going on at Dartmouth this week and which has been reported on by The D. This week we have some highlights from the entire term that didn't quite fit into that news category and were more evergreen stories. First, I sat down with Mirror writer Ali Berg to discuss the question that many Dartmouth students wonder every day. Does Dartmouth recycle? So I actually pitched this article. I was really excited to write about it because um, I had been hearing all around like student-wise that like Dartmouth does not recycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like, I was very curious as to what the actual policy was. So yeah, so then I decided to speak with um, the facilities operation management uh, staff and what they told me was that yes, Dartmouth does recycle. So rest your case, they do. <laughs> um, but they because so much is contaminated a lot of it a lot of the recycling that was like in the recycling bin ends up in the trash Mm -hmm. um so they use casella which is our current vendor um for zero sort recycling and it's like a system that definitely has its flaws because recently um china changed their recycling like policies to be more stringent mm-hmm. so and that back up why, why are we bringing china in the first place we ship our recycling off to china right? yes exactly and that's the more cost efficient way to do things it's more expensive in america and also that we don't have the infrastructure as china does um and recently they've made their policies like zero contamination mm-hmm. um so casella had to update and like obviously recycling vendors throughout the country had to update their regulations to make it more stringent and it costs Dartmouth money if like we give them contaminated materials. In terms of contamination you mentioned that it goes through several levels of checks. Yes first the well so first like you're supposed to check as the student and see is this supposed to go on the recycling bin Mm -hmm. Um, and there are some signages for that but then it gets checked by the custodial staff that um, takes out the recycling in residential buildings and in office buildings and they throw it out. So that's why like, I, cause I asked the question to Susie, um, the FO and FONM uh, like contracts coordinator. I asked her like, why do students think that Dartmouth doesn't recycle? And it's cause she was saying that they probably see custodians throwing recycling in the trash like if you put like four things in that are not going to be um like recyclable then none of it is recyclable right the whole entire bin is then contaminated within a week 45 percent of all recycling was contaminated Mm -hmm. um at dartmouth and they she said that like places that were larger like the library and things like that had um larger some like a hundred percent levels of contamination. And then, so this other thing you mentioned as an alternative uh, would be that multi-can system. So yeah, I actually talked about this with like uh, Tim McNamara, the mm. associate director of um, the facilities operation and management. Um, and he was like a very strong proponent of multi-stream recycling. Um, but then Jacob Garland, uh, a student I talked with, who's like pretty involved in sustainability and um, is like an intern at the sustainability office, um, he was very against it. So I heard both sides. And from I, from my personal opinion, um, we don't have the facilities here to allow for that. In some ways, it would help, but in other ways, because students would have to think about it, they might not do it. Dartmouth definitely could do more, I think, to make it more accessible. It obviously there's recycling bins everywhere, but I from this process I learned so much, and I definitely had to search for it. 
So I think there are some like educational opportunities that the Office of Sustainability can do, but also I think people have to be willing to listen, if that makes sense. Continuing the theme of environmental awareness, I next talked to Ariana Kuzba about the class of 1989's Pollination Project, an initiative to bring native wildflowers and pollinators back to the Upper Valley. Tell me about the beginnings of the Pollination Project, how did it get started, and what was sort of the founding philosophy of it? Yeah, so um, the class of 1989 Pollinator Project was started by an alum uh, from the class of 89 named David Hammond, and he was looking for um, some kind of project to get involved, and he talked to a lot of people working at Dartmouth, and there was just a big emphasis on sustainability, and he kind of settled and created this pollinator project as a way to get involved, and it's kind of blossomed into something that is, um, it's changed his career path. He, like, quit his job to do this full-time. This was started uh, this past April. Give me a little bit of a sense of the impact, what's been accomplished so far. They've planted over 12,000 square feet of native pollinator, of native wildflowers, at 10 sites throughout the Upper Valley. Um, and that was kind of like their trial um, pilot project. And then this year, over the next few weeks, they're gonna be planting at a few new locations. I think they're doing behind the LSC some more sites at the um, organic farm. So they're adding to it, they're replenishing the sites that they've already done um, in their kind of like second phase. There's a lot of Dartmouth's campus that's turf. And so it's just mm -hmm. grass, which is not as helpful for these like native pollinators. Um, so that's like bees, butterflies, moths, various insects. So there are a lot of aspects, mostly climate change, but also like monoculture, pesticides that have been affecting um, kind of the health of the pollinator population. And so planting native wildflowers was a way to just kind of increase their habitat because mm -hmm. um, on just like a bigger global scale, that's really the issue. So in places like on hills or in areas where like the turf is, doesn't grow very well mm -hmm. um, because maybe there's too much light or you know, too much shade, planting these native wildflowers is just kind of a more sustainable option. Tell me about the sorts of relationships that have been formed between alumni and students for this project. Yeah, so I spoke with Brian Arruda, who's a 25, who is working for the sustainability office. Um, and he's kind of the contact person for the student side of it. Um, but I think this is also part of what David Hammond was so excited about. It's just the ways that it's brought together a lot of factions of the Dartmouth community. There's been involvement from the Center for Social Impact, from the Organic Farm, from various classes. I also spoke with a professor who um, was teaching a class over, or like a lab class over sophomore summer, and she used these pollinator plots. Um, to do experiments on with her mm -hmm. class. So it's kind of brought the community together around this issue of like sustainability. So then the goal for the project in the future is just to continue planting these flowers across the campus and the Upper Valley as a whole? Yeah, exactly. And even beyond the Upper Valley, um, David Hammond is from, I believe, Michigan. Yeah, so he was saying that he was running a, a small marketing firm for about 20 years in Michigan. Um, but after, you know, the success of this initial and kind of the enthusiasm behind this project, he created a nonprofit called Creating Habitat for Pollinators Fund. And they're planting around Michigan. And next spring, he's planning to do two more acres uh, in Plymouth, Michigan. And he's working with um, the Dartmouth Club of Detroit and the Dartmouth Club of Northwest Ohio. Finally, I spoke to sports writer Will DeMell about the football team's struggles this season and what changes might need to be made to rebuild in the future. There's been a pretty significant amount of turnover in the football team this season. Yeah. Um, where do you feel like that inexperience has kind of been getting exploited the most? I mean, I honestly think there are a lot of young guys on the team. Um, just someone that lives across the floor from me is Sean Williams, one of the defensive backs, um, who's just a freshman this year. He's playing extremely well, but I think just the fact that he's in there sort of speaks to the team. 
mm-hmm. missing some depth. And what sort of strategy adjustments has Coach Stevens kind of made over the course of the year? One of the biggest ones is the two-quarterback system. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw Nick Howard starting in the Valparaiso game in Sacred Heart, um, but sort of got beat up because he's more of a rush-heavy quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we saw Dylan Codwalder, um, who's just a junior, step in, and he's been taking more of the passing snaps. Um, his aerial attack, obviously, we're only 2-5, and five, but it's been working, and so... They're sort of happy to help each other out. I don't think there's any jealousy on either of their parts. So then what was sort of the team's mentality after the homecoming loss? Coach Stevens has sort of instilled in the players that every game's a new opportunity. Um, There's no reason really to harp on the past. You just sort of move forward, um, and it's better for the program if you just keep that positive outlook. And also back to the point of them being young, I think if they sort of view this year, I know it's hard for the seniors to view this year as a, um, a learning experience, but for the younger guys, it's it's some good experience for sure. So, so the offense, I feel like, has been kind of stagnating, has been a yes. theme uh, over the course of this season. Do you think that's also sort of just an across-the-board issue? Can you isolate that to any position group? And then even the backfield is kind of young with Q Jones, a sophomore, mm-hmm. um, getting a lot of snaps. So I think every game, there's sort of a lot of three-and-outs to start. We're just sort of struggling to find a spark. Right. Um, I think we just sort of have to get on the defense early. And uh, is there anything that you feel like we're doing well um, this season? Anything that's kind of been a I mean, spot? yeah, I got to speak to the coaching strategy. I feel like obviously the games we have lost haven't been by a lot. Um, the first three games that we lost were one score um, losses. So mm-hmm. I think I'm just in the general student body, I'm hearing things like the Dartmouth football team's not doing well. And if you look at the record, that's true. Um, but I think if you're actually out there watching the game, Every game could be decided by a few plays. So Dartmouth community, keep tuning in, helping them. Um, the players definitely like the support we're getting. Like I, they always thank me and people who show up to games. So um, just keep keep coming out. Um, we're, they're still working on it, and more winning to come. That's all we had this week, folks. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you for a new season in January. There are a few people we want to thank in the making of this podcast. Thank you to our colleagues at The D, Ali Berg, Ariana Kuzba, and Will Demel for amazing interviews. To our producers, Abby Hughes, John Zappas, Ryan Penny, Jack Coleman, and Eliana Stanford. Last but not least, thank you to our executive editor, Lauren Adler.